Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Lutmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delve into life, death, and everything betwixt between betwixt, and beyond. Between betwixt, and beyond. Betwixt, between, between and beyond. beyond. With a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Lutmer. And welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening. As you just heard, this is the Amethyst Oracle, and my name is Hi C. And I am here, will be joined shortly by my co-host, Charlie Harrington. Uh, just a little housekeeping. You can always find us on the web at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. We welcome your thoughts, your comments, your input, your suggestions, your continuation of any conversations we might have on here, um, we would be more than happy to have you join us there. Um, and tonight we have a very special guest, David Alexander from da- Dallas, uh, Texas, and he is going to have some quite stimulating and interesting stories to share with us, I have no doubt. Um, I'm just in the process of trying to get in touch with him. We had a little technical difficulty getting him into the studio. So we will be uh, uh, getting him in here shortly. Um, As we wait for that, I'm going to see if perhaps our co-host is on the line. Is this Charlie Harrington, perchance? Hello, Charlie. Hello? Well, perhaps that is not. Ah, here we are. Are you, are you there, Charlie? I am mostly there. I'm not all there. <laughs> Just mostly. <laughs> well, good evening and hello to you, sir. Well, it's and good to be back on, or back in. Ha- and Happy New Year to you. Very happy to know. How is 2014 treating you? Well, so far it's been perfectly lovely. I will admit that um, uh, the holidays were fairly low-key, so just kind of easing into the new year, nothing too major or spectacular. Uh, It was smooth sailing for me as well until just a few minutes before the show I got some very terrible news that uh, Hyperion, Eddie Gutierrez, who was a guest on our show in October, has passed away today. What is this? And that I just saw it on, of all things, Facebook. Yeah, a bunch of people were posting about it. And um, I was a very big fan of uh, his show, um, The Nameless Path. And um, I enjoyed some of his events at Pantheacon. The Nameless Path wasn't always my path, but I really appreciated what he was doing for 
the queer spirituality scene for Conjure. And it's very sad to know that he's not with us anymore. So, um, and, and do we have any ideas to what it, what caused this? I'm, um, I'm very it was sad a, to hear this. It was a it was a heart attack. Oh my goodness! And it was very surprising. He was, I mean, okay, this is the, what people always say. He was so healthy. He was so healthy when I saw him, and so up and at him. So. Uh, I get. I, I. I'm pretty surprised. Just only a few minutes before the show saw that, and I hate to blindside you with that high C, but he was just so recently <laughs> on our show. I thought our uh, listeners who had maybe who had caught that October podcast would um, would want to know to say a little something to their personal universe for Eddie or Hyperion. Um, well, yes. I mean, I actually knew Hyperion. I've not, I can't say that I knew him well, but I certainly knew him enough to have hung out with him a number of times at PantheaCon and uh, taken a couple of, uh, attended a couple of little workshops and presentations that he's done. So I'm, I'm extremely sad to hear that. Yeah, I, um, we were just at uh, last year at his. Um what was that event? It was like he did one year. It was the death walking ritual of all things. Uh, he did oracular work there uh, at PantheaCon with his group. Um, just, just he always was presenting lots of fun stuff, and he had good parties. Let's not forget that. <laughs> well, that's certainly one way to uh, to remember someone is how how good how well they partied. <laughs> and I have a feeling he will be continuing to party. Yes, the afterlife just got a lot more fun, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Well, I just don't know quite what to say there. And I have a feeling because uh, PantheaCon is... Well, (laughs) um, perhaps you could pull a card just to say, you know, what's the best way for us to to navigate through this particular event. And I, I'm anticipating because PantheaCon is just around the corner in February, there will probably be some things that are done, I would uh, hope, to honor him and to uh, remember him. Grab the Etruscan tarot, just because it was the closest one to me at the moment. And uh, the Lady of Chalices, the Queen of Cups. So I think it's very acceptable to feel your emotions completely around this. I think that would be okay um, in this trailing time. Um, also, this Queen of Cups shows a priestess, and she's uh, lifting flowers above her, and she's um, in front of her is a spring uh, a tree, in, it looks like it's spring because there's sort of uh, little blossoms on the uh, flowers on the tree. So um, maybe plant a tree for Eddie this spring since we're coming into the part of the wheel of the year that's about planting seeds. Um, and uh, maybe offer flowers. Um, if you have any personal practice, maybe offering flowers to Eddie. But also just because, you know, it's that queen of cups you know, really feeling your feelings about this. Yes, I think that that... And I think that also 
besides allowing ourselves to, you know, not stifle the emotion around it, but also to, um, because cups also for me is very much about spirituality. And uh, so maybe also doing a little bit of spiritual remembrance, ritual, magic, etc. around uh, a way of dealing with or expressing those emotions. And I, I would like to tell people that Hyperion um, was, so for the unnamed path, the spiritual tradition, that was the name that he went by. Uh, he was also very, very active in the Hoodoo community um, and the Palo community. Uh, and um, he was known as Dr. E uh, in those communities. Um, and you can see some of the work that he did by uh, looking at his website for the Conjure Doctor. That would be more of the Dr. E side, the Hoodoo side. Um, but he also had a website for a church, and he also um, you know, was doing that work called SAFE, where he was trying to make sure that people who were trying to scam and cheat people um, by promising them spiritual or magical results from lots of money, usually. Um, he was working to make sure that those people were exposed in order to help protect people and steer them towards people who are legitimately working in the spiritual and magical world. So hopefully that work will both be a memorial for him uh, and what he was doing, but also something that can be carried on and continued perhaps even in his name as a way to honor his memory. Uh, so I, I hope that that's able to be carried on as well. Um, are you still there, Charlie? I am. Sorry. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm not my normal jubilant self uh, that I often am <laughs> when I call in, but uh, the show must go on. <laughs> so, um, um, speaking so of the I'm, beginning I'm, of the year. Yes. Well, now, first, I'm going to just tell you um, I'm having a little trouble getting uh, David connected. So, mm-hmm. I know that you have a, a spread and things for us mm-hmm. to do. Um, so I do. I'm going to I'm going to perhaps step away to see if I can get him connected and let you continue to explain that to people what the impetus was what you hope that it can offer them and um, how they can use it and um, see if that is uh, something that you might be able to to walk them through for the moment while I see if I can get David in here in the studio. Sure can. All right. I'm just gonna grab a different tarot deck. From nearby, somewhere. Uh, we'll just use. We'll keep using that other one. Okay, we'll use the Etruscans. So, um, this is a New Year's resolution spread. Um, uh, typically in January, uh, a lot of New Year's readings are done, and they tend to be really big and bulky. Uh, you see a lot of twelve card readings, for example. You know, pull a pull a card for every month. Um, and that's certain, or pull a car for every astrological sign. Um, so I was looking at ways to sort of, um, uh, sort of do something simpler. Because to be to be honest, whenever I've done a reading for someone, um, you know, that's that twelve month variety, it can be a little ungrounded. The you know, telling someone in March you'll be the Three of Cups, whereas in April you'll be the Chariot. Like it's 
there there doesn't there's like some connective tissue missing. So I long for a simpler method to perform a news reading. So if you out there um, have a deck near you, you can even pull some cards and try this. But this is four cards, and it's based on the idea of news resolutions, um, what to get rid of and what to bring in. Typically, news resolutions are I'm not going to anymore, I don't know, eat sugar, cheat on my taxes, whatever it is. Um, and this year I'm going to read a book a month or, you know, go to Spain. So um, what you might do for someone or for yourself uh, is to pull four cards. Um, the first two cards will represent what to get rid of from the previous year or from my past. And the second card is how. The third card is what to bring into my life. And the fourth card is how. Um I think it's important to have both the subject and the how-to component there because um, it's very easy <laughs> to say, like, oh, all you need to do is, you know, get your, your life in order and not, not help the person with how. So I'm going to pull just for a phantom client four cards. And let's see. So... What to get rid of from the past? We have the Ten of Cups. That's an interesting one. Um, the Ten of Cups uh, is often something you want to draw into your life. So what are some unhealthy associations with the Ten of Cups? Uh, if the Ten of Cups came up in a negative space, then get rid of it. It might be a time to move from your house. Uh, it might be a time to leave a family. You're not, not leave your family. Like, to move out um, if you're living with family. Um, the Ten of Cups can represent a situation that you've become deeply emotionally involved in. Remember, aces are kind of ambiguous and strange and amorphous, and tens seem to be very solid. And a lot of tarot readers see tens as, you know, time to pull the plug and start something new. So this is an emotional attachment that, you know, is really... Um, holding on to you from the past. And the question about how, it's funny, is the Ten of Wands. The Ten of Wands, um, and I'm using the Etruscan, and it's, it's a very familiar version of the image. It shows two uh, gents uh, with logs over their backs, and they they're, they're seem to be carting them away. And the Ten of Wands often represents a long, difficult struggle, a sort of challenging road to walk. So this is not going to be an easy Ten of Cups to get rid of. It's actually probably... But you know, you have all year to do it. But it represents that you need to pick everything up, pick every part of yourself that has been entangled in the situation and remove it. Um, and my uh, the next two, let's see, we've got the... Lord of Wands, what you're bringing into your life. So this is going to be um, a time, so it's like the, the King of Wands. So it's a time for your charisma, for your for your passion, and um, it's time to hold some parties <laughs> in your life. And it's also, it's time to put yourself forward, your brand forward if you're in business, or it's time, you know, to claim what you have long worked for. Well, how, how, you ask? The Eight of Cups. Okay. Uh, another card of turning away from things. Actually, it looks like leaving that dis that, that over abundant for the phantom client that we're reading for. Um, 
it looks like, re, you know, turning away from that sort of emotional attachment situation is going to um, allow more space for you and what you want. So looking at these cards, it shows some difficult struggles to move away from something, but with that king of wands, it being all about you and your dreams and what's important for you and getting what you need and having a year of what Oprah described it or Ayanne LaVenzant on Oprah described as selffulness. So it's a fun technique. Remember what to get rid of, how, uh, what to bring in, how. Something fun uh, for someone who wants a news reading when you don't want to sit down and read 12 cards for them. So that is that technique. And I'm going to turn things over to High C, who uh, just came out of the green room with our guest. <laughs> That's right. Now that I've had a little bubbly, settled him in with a little snack or two back there. Um, well, thanks for pitching in there and kind of uh, giving people a little taste of what the reading is about and we are going to do that for everyone just a little bit later in the show for our Living the Queer Life segment so we can see what it is that as a collective we need to do as we leave and move into this new year. So I'm happy to report that David is you know probably finishing up his little glass of bubbly and preparing himself to come in and dazzle us as he always does. So, I'm thinking that we might want to surprise him with our little prepared introduction for him. And we will do that. And as soon as that has completed, we will be talking live with David Alexander. And if you're listening and you would like to call in and ask a question uh, of David or something like that, feel free. You can either Skype in or you can call 646-716-5510. So enjoy our little introduction and we will enjoy the company of David Alexander. There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far over land. As a lifetime practitioner of the arts of tarot and palmistry, David Alexander was compelled by those he had helped to begin his practice. He feels it's the most rewarding thing he's ever been a part of. David loves helping clients sort their way through life's difficult challenges, and as David says, solutions are so often right in front of us. David's skill and calling as a reader is to light the pathway toward healing and solution for each of his clients. David Alexander's journey began as a child, growing up in North Texas. Studying the works of well-known psychic researcher and author Edgar Cayce, it was soon apparent that he had developed a clear bond with his abilities and, in his search for answers, chose the art of palmistry as his first course of study in the divinatory arts. As David learned and developed more, he soon discovered the wisdom of the Tarot and all it had to offer as well. David Alexander is now immersed in his practice and is always learning from each new experience, sharing and receiving the gifts through a lifetime of study. So join Charlie and Hi C to hear about the tantalizing and sometimes scandalous stories from David's career, reading for celebrities, hipsters, world travelers, and the glitterati of Dallas 
at the famed Zaza Hotel. And find out more about David Alexander and his work at his website, www.davidalexander.org. And that's D-A-V-I-D-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-E.org. So please join the Amethyst Oracle in welcoming to this month's show, practitioner in the arts of palmistry, astrology, and tarot, David Alexander. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to laugh and be Welcome to the show, David Alexander. Hey, guys. Hi, Charlie. Hi, hi, C. Hey, how's Hello. it going? It's From very good. It's kind of warming up here, so winter's over for a moment in Dallas. Oh, the same here in California. It was like in the 70s today. <laughs> Isn't it always in the 70s, though? <laughs> it's been perfect. Um, and my very I, best turban for you, David. I'm not sure you can see it, but which turban? I, I my very best turban with the, the extra spangles and the peacock feather. Oh, so. awesome! I'm jealous. <laughs> and I, I believe that perhaps that that is what you consider your theme song, "Nature Boy" by Nat King Cole. Yeah, actually, it is. I I uh, I've always uh, liked that song and related to it. It. it um, stirs a lot of pictures in my head when I hear I, I've been listening to, to that song, you know, and many of his works since I was a little kid, so it always brings a lot to my to my head whenever I'm listening to it. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, you know, give you your own and preferred theme song. <laughs> oh, and I that think was, that was of, awesome. And I think it kind of set the tone for the the conversation here. So picture it, the Bay Area Tarot Symposium. People are milling about, and there are a lot of people in moo-moos, maybe sarongs, some interesting, awkward fashion choices, and then cutting quite a debonair figure um, in the midst of the sort of Bay Area, sort of New Age, uh, Nouveau riche. There is David Alexander wearing a very, like, looking very Edwardian, as I recall, with um, Valentina Burton, uh, and very, very unlike the rest of the, uh, the, the, the tarotists there. And you really raised the bar quite a bit for presentation at the Bay Area Tarot Symposium. Thanks. Uh, Valentina and I look somewhat often look somewhat like uh, an Edward Gorey drawing, so yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Um, when uh, she and I met uh, when we were kids, uh, junior high age kids, and um, I've often said that it was kind of like when, uh, or as if uh, Wednesday Adams had met, uh, met uh, Eddie Munster for the first time. <laughs> That makes you know, sense. we were kind of these two little goth kids before goth was goth, and 
um, you know, we've been friends ever since. So yeah, and and that's kind of near where both of our journeys started. Uh, it was actually a lot earlier for both of us, but. How did uh, you uh, begin the road to being a well-known and well-respected uh, reader in the great state of Texas? Well, you know, years ago, of course, th- these are things you didn't talk about. Uh, and, so, and so a lot of it was very kind of hush-hush secret. And when you met a reader, uh, anyone, and there were several readers here in Dallas, actually, which is, I know, strange to a lot of people, but... Growing up in the 60s and 70s, we had restaurants and shopping centers and tea rooms and places that had readers, and um, it's very common in the South, really. And uh, I didn't really ever think about it being a profession, uh, but I did kind of keep it, you know, as a practice and uh, studied as I could. But there were so many... Uh, really awesome readers here in Dallas that I think the influence of their work and uh, character kind of rubbed off on me a bit. And so when I did, you know, years later, decide that I would give this a shot, um, I you know, I think in a way I I had a standard to hold up to because of the the women that I knew, and that it was mostly women from my recollection. The women that I knew uh, that were public readers um, had a really good reputation and uh, a, a great um, uh, track record for accuracy and that kind of thing. And so I wanted to keep up with that. And uh, of course, then I've got also, you know, Valentina as taskmaster, holding me to the line on professionalism at every moment. So uh, we. Uh, We've done a lot of really interesting things, but I, again, I never really started off in life to do this. So I was an artist, an actor, a designer, a, anything but that um, to begin with. So um, if anything is, uh, I guess, theatrical in its presentation, it's because of my background in, uh, in those areas. I don't know. That's a rather long-winded answer. No, no, that's good. Um, it's interesting sort of, I noticed that in, in tarot, there was sort of, or at least in, I think actually maybe in all, for all divin- diviners and psychics, there was sort of, um, people were sort of straying away from anything at all theatrical, anything with flair, because mm-hmm. I think there was maybe a fear that people would assume that you were a fake if you right. have any kind of woo-woo, and people started changing, like, Instead of becoming, you know, being fortune tellers, people started saying, oh, I'm a tarot coach or a tarot counselor, and they would wear business suits, mm-hmm. and they would have just, they, you know, and I, I love that both you and Valentina are kind of embracing that. Like, who wouldn't want to get a reading from, like, Valentina dressed like an Edward Gorey figure, or you in sort of a, you know, turn-of-the-century uh, um, coat and and cravat or whatever it is, it happens to be that night. So, I don't. Have you had any reaction from other readers about your choice to be more yeah, have funny. more flair? Uh, yeah. Well, we you know of course you know there are um, there are a few of us. I mean, if you uh, you know uh, if you look around at the um, at the you know the readers of today, 
they come from every walk of life in some ways. You know, there are scientists and counselors, and then there are artists and actors, and um, and so it does kind of run the gamut. Um, uh, there, the kind of thing that we like the most about what we do is that we present it uniquely in a theatrical way and still scare your pants off with the reading. So it's kind of like they, it's a double whammy. And um, I think it works because it takes people, I think it, it, it takes people back a little bit or it takes them aback. They, they have to sort of do a double take there. Wait, wait a minute, this is a real reading. I thought you were just sort of an actor. Or <laughs> I thought you were putting me I thought on. You were a character. You know, I thought you were a character at a party, and you know, you know, and, and actually, that's often the reaction. We don't. I mean, I don't at the hotel. I don't read with a turban on, but I am mm-hmm. dressed up, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think looking professional is good. Mm-hmm. And if to you, looking professional is wearing a three-piece suit, and you know, then that's fine. But I like the sort of lush table settings and mm-hmm. candles and, and crystal balls and palm tree hands and, you know, beautiful table coverings and all of that stuff because, well, I'm a Taurus. <laughs> and so, Likewise. So that, that factors <laughs> in. Um, but also, um, I'm, I'm an artist, and I don't like being surrounded by anything that's sort of passe or blah and, um, or, or expect it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I suppose you know it's just the alternative to a purple moon. You know, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I yeah, mean it, it's choice. I flattering. think some people look great and can really rock that look. Not me, no, but yeah. um, you know, I don't think I'm going to be running around and you know in uh, in yoga clothes either doing readings. But some people do that well. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I have to say that this this makes me think. You know, when Charlie was saying how there was kind of this shift over the past twenty, thirty years or so to people trying to look more, maybe a, a word for it would be more mainstream to kind of fit in more and not be categorized as woo woo. And it makes me think of actually, like in the 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 gay community or the queer community. And, you know, we've really kind of seen that assimilation, especially with, like, gay marriage and that kind of thing, that there seems to be this push to try to be just like everybody else. And you'll hear the criticisms of the pride parade, you know, saying to not have the drag queens or not have the people in leather, and then you just have, like, the the people pushing the strollers because they just want to show that we're just like everybody else. But I think what it does is it loses a lot of that personality and it starts to um, almost cause people, even like, say, as readers, it starts to cause them to not just be themselves versus trying to play a role or pro- play a part, even more so than what we might think of with the people from olden days dressed up as gypsies and that kind of thing, when really that's just who they were, and that was just natural for them to dress and look that way. Um, right. And do, you, and do you think that giving yourself permission and allowing yourself to embrace your own unique style and have a little bit of flamboyance and, and that kind of thing actually enhances or um, uh, informs your reading or your reading style versus if you were trying to dress very mainstream, like Charlie said, like in a suit or something like that? 
Yeah, no, I do agree with that. And I do think, and I, I agree with your uh, analogy of the gay community as well. I think that's very true. Um, I, I don't like that kind of homogenized, gentrified, mm-hmm. assimilated, everybody, let's all dress, you know, the same kind of thing. And and you see it even not just in people, but you see it in cities now um, where everybody's got to have, you know, the same shops and stores and houses and everything looks the same everywhere you go and um, all of that. And that sameness is 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 just uh, uh, soul killing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But right. um, to get back on topic, I think mm-hmm. uh, for me, you know, I've been since I was in, in junior high and when I met Valentina, mm-hmm. I've been wearing antique vests and this <laughs> just was kind of a thing back then. Yeah. And uh, thanks to Annie Hall, I think. But, um, <laughs> but we, you know, I, I used to, and I, my favorite um, subjects in uh, history were, uh, and, and our people and, and, and ideas and, and stories and all of those kinds of things all took place close to the turn of the century. I was fascinated by that era. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Victorian and Edwardian times and Roaring Twenties and anything in, you know, right in that time, the burst of the Industrial Age, I'll look through, uh, you know, Prohibition and the Jazz Age. I loved all of that stuff, and I couldn't get enough of the old movies. And and so, um, you know, I kind of, I did my fair uh, share of uh, changing my look. And, you know, of course, in the 80s, we were all very punk rock and, you know, <laughs> all that and funny hair and, and all that. So I, I've not always been... Uh, but I'm kind of, you know, I I think, you know, I'm going through my getting back to who I really am, and it's okay, you know, if I feel like I want to wear a, an antique tie and a vest. And I I have to say, um, I was in a, I was in one of the, uh, I won't mention who, and it, it doesn't matter, but I was in one of the seminars at, uh, workshops at BATS one year, and um, there was a person in a, in a deck of cards, that had a tie on, and uh, they were someone in the in the uh, group was describing the the, uh, the card, and and uh, someone piped up and said, "Well, yes, but doesn't wearing a tie cut off your throat chakra?" And I said, well, not if, yeah, and I said, "Not if it's not if it's vintage, darling." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, put them in their place on that one. Oh yeah, you know, I, I mean, I I think yeah, I get that a lot. You know, I do. Uh, uh, get that from other people. They're kind of, you know, I I, I have a lot of uh, sort of, um, I guess, hippie friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> young and old, and they look at me like I'm I'm a bit odd. You know, what's wrong with this person? You can't be very enlightened. You like wearing suits, you know, um, but um, velvet suits nonetheless. But um, nice. <laughs> or frock coats, you know, and things like that. Um, and I I typically, you know, eighty percent of my my day I'm dressed like that. I, I don't, you know, I don't stray out of that too often. Of course, there are days when I have to throw on a pair of blue jeans, but I think dressing is important. And I think if you look professional, people treat you like one. Mm -hmm. And I think if I showed up in grubby clothes and, um, you know, had a cardboard table, I, I'm pretty sure people would treat me that way. You know, (laughs) that kind of, Hey, not so much on that guy. I don't want to get a reading from him, you know. But I think <laughs> when they reading. see me, they're a little bit daunted by it. And I've been, uh, I've had people literally 
say they were going to build me a temple, and I've had people cuss me out. So I've, I've had both, you know. You're, you're an open channel at Hotel Zaza, and if you're in that grand gallery between the front desk and the restaurant, you, it's like being in Times Square. Um, you see everybody, and everybody sees you, and um, you often, because everyone's drinking and having a good time, and God knows, probably on Adderall and cocaine. Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, a few. Um, they're, they will take a nice swipe at you on occasion, <laughs> and uh, many expletives have been screamed in my face at close range. But I mean, uh, it it it's helped me, you know. Right as, a, as a reader, I I'm pretty bulletproof. And I definitely want to um, hear some more of the uh, maybe some some stories about what it's like to read there. But before we get there, I, um, when people think of where they're gonna, if people think I want to be a professional fortune teller, or if that ever occurs to them, they start. A lot of people start with that cardboard table that you mentioned um, at the street fair or the neon sign or working as a phone psychic at 2 a.m. And I like the boldness with which you and Valentina have um, approached your careers. I enjoyed her book, um, The Fortune Teller's Guide to Success. Can you talk a little bit about how you landed at such a primo location um, and well, what that's been like. It was a happy accident in a way. Um, uh, Valentina had done a party for um, someone at another hotel, and uh, that got people talking. Remember, both of us had been doing card readings for our friends and for you know uh, family or whoever at backstage, whatever it was, for years and years and years, and um, it was. Uh, Actually, Valentina got talked into doing that for a party. Uh, this wasn't really a thing up until that time as much uh, a thing at parties uh, as it has become. And um, and then she got hired to do this party for one of the people that, and, and they are friends with the other people at this hotel and that hotel, and Zaza people kind of got a hold of her, and they had her for a party, and and she read for them, and the guests came back to the host and said, wait a minute, you know, this wasn't just a, a, a character actress or a, 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 you know, kind of party talent person. This was an actual reader because all this stuff she's saying is starting to come true. And uh, they got a lot of that reaction, and so the owner of the hotel came to her and said, I don't care what you do, but you need to be at my hotel uh, people love you, and and uh, and then she, over creme brulee, talked me into joining her. And I thought she was insane. Um, <laughs> really? I, I, you know, I was kind of what we're doing, what you know, and uh, <laughs> it was one of those Lucy, you know, Ethel reacting to Lucy uh, looks in my face. And uh, I said, okay, fine. If you say it's going to be fun, it's going to be fun, and you know, if it's fun, we'll do it. If we don't like it, we'll stop. And uh, we haven't been able to let go of it. Um, I'm doing all the the readings at the hotel now. She still does quite a few events and parties uh, outside of that, and some at the hotel. Um, her um, focus mainly has been on her private practice, and uh, which is just 
growing by leaps and bounds, and I'm loving watching that. I remember when I had to talk her into getting an office <laughs> um, because people were begging for private readings, and mm. uh, that was you know that was a hard push, but um, now she can't stop. So um, I typically meet or talk to. I want to say close to uh, 60 people a week at the Mm. hotel. And, um, you know, there's less and there's more, but it's about 60 or so people, which is a lot. And um, uh, I don't usually remember anything of what I've said to them uh, because I try not to commit readings to memory. Uh, And it's kind of difficult to remember names sometimes. But um, that was something that, you know, I didn't plan on. I had a very successful uh, business of my own before I started that, and um, I had to actually quit it because it took over my life. Well, nice. And so I'm sure you get quite the range of, you know, uh, of just being in that space, being a public space, you get different questions then. If you're a private practice and people come to you because they're looking for a fortune teller, there's sort of a range of questions that people have. But what's, when you're at a party event, a venue or an open kind of space where people might not be looking, not know that they're looking for a reading or might not think that they're looking for a reading and they see you, like what, what does that experience kind of feel like as a reader like in that in that setting well that's when you i think it's important for the reader to sort of set the standard and take control of the situation and put a set up a parameter and so you can go either way you can say um you may ask a question would you like to ask a question about your emotional life or your work life and that usually is a great way to set it up. Most of the time, I offer them, uh, even at the hotel, I offer them a six-month layout mm-hmm. that talks about the general trajectory of their life, not the exact you know moment at which everything will happen, but certainly the the sort of GPS you know version MapQuest version of what's happening in front of them. And um, uh, because I actually do, I do predictive readings. I know that some some people don't do that, and I think it's fine. Um, I choose to, but um, that is usually enough. And uh, you can do that with a five-card layout in the way I do it or 20 cards, depending on how long you want to spend talking. And uh, parties, five cards, and you can get six months out of that pretty easily. And um, uh, I think that situation is, as a reader, it's your choice to control. And instead of having someone him and haw and shuffle the cards and <laughs> add infinite uh, until you can't think straight um, and they can't decide their question because, you know, God forbid you get a Libra at the table and you're asking them to come up with a question. You know? <laughs> and they will take all night. And um, so, or a Virgo who's afraid of being wrong might also take all night. Or a Gemini who thinks that asking right, or a Gemini who hasn't questions. really thought of all questions. the questions that could possibly be asked yet, <laughs> or an Aquarius who wants the, the the most interesting question of them. Yeah, I know it could go on and on. You you know that's the other thing I do is I always try to get their astrology 
at least their sign out of them. Um, my assistant at the hotel will often do their charts on their on her iPhone, which is awesome and, and a great help, uh, so that I can talk about their charts a little bit, and that dazzles a bit, and that yeah. helps. Um, uh, so. So I, I'm curious because you do palmistry, you do astrology, you do tarot. Do you find mm-hmm. that that what you do with those they kind of operate independently of each other, or how how have you found that they intermingle with each other and can work together oh, with each other? No, they completely intertwine. As a matter of fact, sometimes uh, because if you start with someone's chart, it really is like doing an autopsy, you know, and you've, you've uh, sort of this live autopsy of this person. It's really looking at their interior workings, exterior motivations, all of the, everything. It's just uh, all of these things that run their lives and, and make the machine move. Astrology is always very helpful. If you don't have that, uh, palmistry is the next best thing and arguably just as good as um, having that because palmistry is literally like looking at their DNA. And so um, uh, they relate pretty heavily. And the readings that I do, uh, I will use all of the astrological uh, road signs that, that Tarot offers, and depending on which deck I'm using. Um, but, you know, they all have astrological significance if you really want to dig and learn all that stuff. Um, but those all relate. Because if I don't know who they are, then I don't know, you know, uh, which cards apply to whom. I even will try to get out of them, you know, at least, you know, information about, you know, is, what's their relationship, you know, what sign is that person, and, and talk about that. I love reading for married couples or just couples in general, um, or uh, parents and their children. That's also interesting to see the dynamic. Um and I say a good session, even at the hotel, often feels like therapy, or I mm. should say counseling, because I think if you say therapy, you get into trouble. But um, Not on this show, you like, don't. It <laughs> <laughs> feels like a counseling session, uh, and that's what people say. You know, I've had crazy uh, reactions to readings. Even just at the hotel, someone actually uh, declared that they were firing their marriage counselor after the reading I gave them, and that that they would be coming to me after that, you know. And I was like, okay, that, that's your choice. But, you know, God <laughs> poor, poor marriage oh, counselor, God. there goes their $150 an hour, you know. But, um, so, so if somebody came to you, though, and asked um, which type of reading they should get, how do you differentiate in terms of saying what palmistry, astrology, tarot offer that are kind of unique to each of them? that might help to guide someone towards which might be appropriate for the kind of information they're seeking? Well, with astrology and palmistry both, you get a stronger, uh, deep, I should say, deeper understanding of, of what, what kind of, um, I guess, um, abilities, uh, not boundaries, but um, I guess the framework in which you can work, but with Tarot, I think you get choices and um, possibilities, and uh, still, you know, working within this, you know, people's uh, sort of, uh, I guess, most people 
I'll put it this way. Most people don't see themselves in, in a very clear light. Astrology and palmistry certainly define an individual in a very clear way that they can step back and go, you know, that is so true, and I just don't look at it that way, you know, or I don't, I've never really thought of that. Uh, with cards, it, I think of them as literally this kind of distant view of the path in front of us. And so you can see the whole game board in front of you. And so I think it's, you know, it depends. If you want to do some soul searching, um, then use tarot a little bit for the, you know, possibilities of where, you know, where your desires might take you because, you know, the cards don't make up your mind. They just show you how it's going to turn out if you make a certain choice and or the likelihood of what will happen because of that choice made. Because everybody's still got their will, you know, and they've still got their, their choices to make. But with astrology, I think if you want a deeper understanding of self, you know, then you go that way too. But I think you, I don't know that I would be able to separate them. I've, I've, I, I've often yeah. tried to, I've often suggested to people that astrology and I think palmistry too are really good at giving that big picture understanding and overview and tarot is good for the more specific moment. And so like going to get your solar return on your birthday every year for astrology is a really good way to kind of map out the year and see what the big patterns and energies are throughout the year and when those kind of kick in and move out. Um, Palmistry, I think, you can correct me, but I think does some of that as well because our hand changes throughout our lives as well. Look at that every year. And then, so let's say that the astrology, the solar return reading said that you know, June and July look really good for your career, a great time to be making a move or a change or something like that. Then when June and July come along, if you have three or four different job offers you're considering, that's where I think Tarot steps in to now look at those very specifically in that moment. No, and, and that's true. Yeah, that's true. Often um, I, I do a lot of work with people. Um, I'll even give people an annual, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge document, but I'll give people a, a day, you know, a day for a year, you know, the whole thing, you know. So they've got every day, 12 hours at a time, what's going on at the moment, personal horoscope thing. Um, and that's something that I like doing for my clients annually. But um, uh, uh, like you were talking about, but but I, I um, with uh, all of that too, you know, it's it's, it's all of it is about your option. You know, it's about your possibilities, not about your, not really about your limitations as a person. Most people don't think they have as many choices as they do. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Tarot and astrology and palmistry prove is you have many choices. And, um, you know, for, for every weakness, there's, a, there's three strengths at least that will take their place and prop you up. And, and people don't realize that. I, uh, there's a Chinese astrologer that told me once that, you know, you, you base it on three things, and that is your chart, how your life is set up, the feng shui of your life, and what you're born into, the nature, you know, part of it, like the circumstances mm-hmm. of birth. And you can make two of those things outweigh the other one. 
easily, you know, um, right. because you can use your chart to your best advantage. Really, you can. I mean, you can take those qualities and, you know, turn them around and, and also set up your life, you know, using feng shui or a method like that to simplify or open up the pathway to uh, whether it's prosperity or happiness or love or any of those things and connectedness even if you're born in the worst of circumstances and, and, and it works in any other case depending on, on which one is the weakest because you need all three and I think um, you know your chart uh, just your natal chart in and of itself is a great place to start with people you don't and, and the thing is is that you really even working with just the close planets you know the things that are you know right up there in the sky that we can see um, those things work pretty well you know you've got to remember too years and years and years ago uh, before we could get those outer planets into the system um, they didn't deal with that so what did they do how did they make everything work so well uh, how did Vedic work as well as it does, which is, you know, it's an awesome system. Um, so, you know, now that we have this expanded view of the universe and we can include, you know, every star, you know, in our in our charts that we do and any, any kind of predictive work we do with astrology, um, it's pretty amazing the depth, you know, and, and heights and width of the whole thing. Uh, seems to bring us all to this great under greater understanding of who we are, and I think it's been it's been uh, great to watch it develop. Also, just watching the the community of readers develop uh, with the advent of the, the internet has done so much for our community. Um, before we were all sort of working away in secret, and when we would meet meet each other, you know. In, in whatever circumstances, oh, one of us, you know, and we're I'm so lucky to meet you. There's not many of us around, you know. And yeah. uh, uh, itinerant wizards wandering around the countryside is what we were before. And now it's kind of a, you know, uh, it's kind of a bigger community than any of us suspected, and and uh, uh, we all know each other. We all get to know each other, and that's pretty awesome to, to be able to network. I'm now imagining what happens when itinerant wizards get Facebook. <laughs> what would Gandalf do with Facebook? I know a few of them, and they're okay with it. <laughs> so you, you mentioned, um, you know, doing readings and things at the the Zaza Hotel in Dallas. Uh, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about how, uh, why the Zaza Hotel is really well known, and if you have any particular anecdotes, incidents, things that you remember, people, crazy situations that might have come up in doing that kind of environment. Uh, undoubtedly, you've seen and experienced a few interesting things. Quite a few, yeah. I, I've seen everything from a bride. Uh, now this was I, to, to um, I guess, Without, uh, because, you know, obviously these people aren't listening, without insulting anyone directly, this was kind of a hillbilly wedding, but at the same time, I saw a bride get punched by um, one of the groomsmen. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> on, on right in the middle of the hallway, not, not in a secret location, right in the middle of the hallway. 
Um, that was that was something I never thought I'd see. Um, but she literally got punched. I I, I can't imagine anyone that thought that was a good idea. But um, obviously, there was drinking involved. But which just, um, which I just shows seen, to people the it just shows to people the importance of getting readings. Because if that bride had come to you before that, you would have been able to tell her not to walk down that hallway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't talk to that girl. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, but I've seen a lot of interesting, uh, I suppose, things. Uh, funny celebrities, they're always kind of cartoon-like at that hotel. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they're in Dallas. Um, they feel like they've got to look like a celebrity. Um, uh, I remember one night, uh, it was a very strange night, I thought, because John Kerry, the politician, came lumbering down the hall. He's a very tall man. He's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, I don't know. And he comes lumbering down the hallway. And I thought, well, that's interesting. John Kerry just walked past me. And he kind of nodded at me. And, and uh, this was after the election. And, uh, uh, and then um, uh, right after him, uh, Geraldo, of all people, uh, <laughs> walked by. And uh, I was starting to wonder whether I was still in Dallas. And and then about an hour after that, um, of all of the people in the world to walk by, it was Kenny G and his entire band dressed what? in their state clothes. Mm-hmm. That is the yeah. most random assortment. That's like throwing a dart yeah. at like the dartboard of celebrities. <laughs> yeah, I called it G night for you know government. Geraldo and Kenny G, but <laughs> it was G night at Zaza. But it's a very strange place because you meet anyone and everyone there. And some of the most, um, uh, the funniest person I met there um, was someone I didn't recognize um, at the time because he wasn't wearing his usual uh, top hat, was uh, Slash Hudson mm. uh, from Guns N' Roses. He's wow. an awesome guy, uh, very real, um, uh and and just very down to earth. His questions were really all about his family and uh, the well being of his family. It had nothing, almost nothing, to do with work. And um, uh, that was when he was with the Velvet Revolver, and uh, and a bunch of those guys got readings that night, and um, they were interesting people. Scott Whalen is a, a bit twitchy, but. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, the most, uh, I guess, the most awesome reading I ever got to do was for Gerard Butler, and um, uh, I have to say, was it, was he bar sure? none, he has the best skin on any man I have ever seen in my life, <laughs> was it, was uh, he and sure? the softest hands of any man I've ever had the pleasure of shaking hands with, uh, which and I did multiple okay. times. And was he shirtless? Is that how you knew he had the best skin? You know, I, it, that would have made it so much better because he had just gotten finished making that surfer movie, and that would have been great. Um, <laughs> no, he was he was awesome, very funny, and uh, uh, his question was about basketball uh, because he he was following the Lakers, and um, just want to know uh, who's going to win in the bet. Yeah, mm-hmm. he wanted. Well, he just wanted to know. He was kind of. Uh, and he's an interesting guy too. He only hangs around with, uh, besides hot models, um, he hangs around with uh, the crews, the people who work on the crews in the movies. He's not really much of a scene person, I don't think. Um, but uh, very nice guy, 
and you know he started off as a lawyer in life so you know that that should tell you a lot <clears throat> but um <laughs> he seemed to be more interested in what i was doing and asking me questions about me uh, <laughs> because he thought it was very odd to find me in those circumstances but um i had a guy uh, I think the funniest story, you might be short on time, but the funniest story mm-hmm. I had was a guy who was a, um, he was a business executive, I should say a CEO of a very big company in in, uh, in the UK, and he was very drunk, and he was with all of his buddies, and he decided they all had to get readings, and I gave him readings, and he kept telling me how Uh, awesome I was, but he couldn't possibly believe anything I was saying, and yet the readings were so intensely right on for him, and I didn't understand the the problem. But um, he kept pointing every single card that I would describe. He'd say, oh, my God, that's exactly true. And I I thought, well, let me finish the reading. And finally I got through with it, and he offered to give me a company. (laughs) He said he wanted to give me a company. And I said... um, I said, well, I said, I think any man who would accept a company from a man who gives out companies while he's drinking is probably a fool. And so, <laughs> you know. And, and then you uh, turned said, over the next it. card. Call me tomorrow and tell me you want to give me a company. Um, but he gave me his card, and uh, I emailed him and thanked him for the offer of the company and told him to get in touch with me. That's actually happened twice. Um, what? <laughs> um, I know that's very odd, right? That is. That's but, um, pretty cool. I, I have actually had people offer me positions or companies at that hotel twice from very powerful, high-powered. You know, these guys were not. I, I, you know, I checked them out certainly after the readings. I looked at them. Oh, wow, that's who that is. And um, I was a bit taken aback, but I think it's just you know my my. Um, uh, it's your charm. Great charm and, and, and conversation and skills. <laughs> what is That's the conversation right. skills? I don't know that's so charming all the time. Um, speaking <laughs> of people offering you digits and positions, have we, what's the David Alexander policy on romancing clients? Never. Especially so, especially so <laughs> conveniently, even for the night, since Never. you're conveniently there Never. in the hotel. <laughs> Just Never. wander upstairs Never. later. No, 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 no. Oh, gosh, no. That's a policy, and that's something that Valentina and I uh, established a long time ago, was we don't go upstairs unless we're hired for an event that's upstairs. We do not go upstairs. People would all, they always ask us to go upstairs to do readings for them. And the only time we ever do that is if it's for a bachelorette or, you know, girls' night out party, Mm-hmm. birthday party, something, because they have big, big rooms up there. They have rooms that are 3,000 square feet almost, you know. So oh, um, It's an awesome hotel and um, one of the most uh, wonderful places um, to stay in Dallas and the craziest place I've ever been in my life. Um, bar I was always I'm, hoping that you were going to be a guest star on GCB when it was on the air. I kept thinking, like, if they get another season... They're going to have to do an episode where he reads for Kristen Chenoweth. You know? That would be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to read for her um, but, um, uh, or on the show. But, um, you know, we did try. Uh, we, we did a, a thing for BBC um, worldwide ages ago, about two or three years, I guess. They tried to get us to do a reality show, and I just don't think we were um, 
uh, uh, screwed up enough for them. Yeah, that, that is probably... It was a tough sell. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was a tough sell. They, they followed us around for two weeks to make 11 minutes of video and uh, for the sizzle reel, but um, uh, it was fun, but I think I actually, I think I dodged a bullet. Um, I think both of us dodged a bullet by not having that happen. Um, I don't really want to be that much of a public reader that, you know, so... The I mean, world's very wrong, cruel to public readers. Uh, that poor, like I think of Sylvia Brown or John yeah. Edwards or yeah. Miss Cleo. <laughs> I, I don't know about. Yeah. I've never read, got readings from any of them, but the world is very cruel to them. So I think maybe you're right. Oh, I that think so too. Yeah, and and rightly or wrongly, um, they had these uh, reputations that you they could not, you know, they couldn't have done anything to change their reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and at least with, um, you know, sort of the safety of being sort of the infamous reader at the hotel, you know, yes, you know, it's true, as Valentina says, people in Paris talk about getting readings at, you know, bump into each other on the street in Paris and talk about getting a reading at Hotel Zaza. That's mm-hmm. great, you know. Uh, we've heard wonderful stories. We have people that fly in, um, and she still has clients that fly in, even though she's not at the hotel to get readings. Uh, from her, from other cities, and so people don't just come to Dallas to shop; they come to get readings at, at Hotel Zaza. Wow! But, um, yeah, so it's it's kind of fun, you know. I get annual clients uh, every six months. People that come in for a monthly tune-up on some new question or to talk about some new boy or some new job or whatever it would be. Um, but. Um, I have a little bit of a, you know, I try to keep people a little bit at arm's length there where it's not about, you know, once you start becoming a friend and, you know, I stop reading for you, that kind of thing. Because there's been a, a couple of people. I've I've been reading for a girl, and so is Valentina, since she started law school. And, and she now she's a, a big-time lawyer here, and we're just friends, and we go out and have coffee or, or dinner. Uh, but I don't read for that person anymore. Um, but that's kind of different. You know, you, you pick and choose. You have your pets. but date them no I never date them (laughs) so for someone out there who's who thinks they want to go pro they've been reading palms or astrology or tarot for a while and they want to go pro and they maybe don't want to read um, on the internet at 2am with their webcam what advice would you give someone start just starting out Honestly, look around in your neighborhood first. You know, there might be a restaurant or a hotel or um, a tea room, an antique mall, or, you know, some kind of cute little shop that would invite that idea, you know, into into their space just simply as a draw or an attraction. You know, I mean, if you can do it in the Bible Belt, you can do it anywhere. And um, uh, there have been, like I said, at least three very famous readers that were public readers in Dallas um, prior, certainly, to Valentina and I. And at the moment, there are at least that many now, if not more, um, including us. And so um, I think, uh, you know, just check around Mm -hmm. uh, and see what is there. But I would say, you know, uh, get permission and set up and try to do as many readings as you can, as fast as you can. Uh, keep it quick. Um, don't don't get involved in 
and solving every little problem, you know, for this person just sort of be a little bit of light at that, you know. Because, too, I, I would say, you know, you're doing public readings. Uh, it is sort of good to remember that you might build a private practice off of this, but not if you spend an hour with them that night at the bar and they're your only customer. You've only talked to one person. Try mm. 10 minutes at a time, you know, person after person if you want. I mean, at that point, you're both a draw for the bar. Uh, you're bringing in clients. You don't want them spending all night at your table because you're keeping them from the bar or the restaurant or shopping in the mall or wherever it would be. And so you have to remember this should be a quick thing, um, and uh, it also takes some of the weight off of you, you know, as a reader because you didn't, you know, you didn't put out a, you know, open therapy session sign. You, you know, public reader is, you know, where's your nickel? Here's your reading, you know, and. And I think that's the best policy because there is that barrier of, you know, I'm the professional and I set my standard. Uh, that I think people should practice that. It's, you know, this kind of idea that I have a lot of readers that come up to me at, at the hotel and say, oh, yes, I'm a reader too, but I would never charge for it. You know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm very, <laughs> very puzzled by that because are you not good enough to charge for it? Or, <laughs> mm. you know, oh, or do you really believe it's a, you know a sin uh, mm. to do such? And uh, I think you know doing something that I've studied my entire life uh, professionally, I probably should get paid for that. <laughs> right on. I, agree. I, I, I think it's like I think it's almost like internalized homophobia. I think it's people have taken on that idea that doing this kind of work is for entertainment only, and so they don't mm-hmm. see it seriously enough or they don't see it as a legitimate business or as a legitimate offering or a legitimate profession so they they can't even bring themselves to think that it's okay to charge because they kind of have um, been too swayed by just that way of thinking that's kind of part of the popular culture oh right yeah well yeah we'd give it a a legitimacy if you're paying for it right and uh that, More that seriously, some people they certainly would perceive as being crazy, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I have to say, uh, people who sit down and are, um, I've had people literally, uh, because it's Texas, I've had people sit down and say, oh, my God, what's this bullshit? Um, I- I'll do this, and oh, you, i got to see this crap. And, you know, that's literally come out of people's mouths. And you do the reading, and they their mouth is open, and their eyes are as wide as they can be, and they're a little bit taken aback because it it hit on some stuff, and they're very surprised by that. And, oh, you've been reading my mail kind of look on their face, or did my wife tell you all about me? I've I've been accused of spying on people uh, because of the way that their readings have turned out and, and, uh, you know, sort of make jokes about it now because it's, it's all too often where people... Uh, get kind of that deer in the headlights. I love reading for skeptics. Um, but as far as other readers go, they need to develop a little bit of a thick skin about those kinds of things and, and not be affected by other people's opinions. Right. You know, and, so, and that's part of it. Yes. So speaking of things that might touch on sensitive subjects, 
Um, I, I know that you were listening to the early part of the show before we brought you in uh, about um, the death of Eddie Gutierrez, Hyperion. Oh, yes. No, Dr. Yes. E. <laughs> Depends on how people know him. Um, and I believe that you you knew him uh, to, to some extent, and I wondered if you might just want to offer any words or memories or anything like that for him as we um, move to close our conversation here. Right. I, I knew um, Eddie through Valentina and Cat Ironwood, Valentina Burton and Cat Ironwood, uh, as one of their good buddies and practitioners of hoodoo. Um, every uh, recollection I have of, of hearing about him and knowing of him is that he was an awesome guy with a great um, sort of fiery sense of purpose in what he did. And uh, I didn't have uh, any direct contact with him, though. Uh, I respected him, though, as an individual and certainly as one of our community. And um, I actually had planned, <laughs> and this goes to show you, that you should seize the moment when you can, because I've been to Los Angeles several times in California several times in the last couple of years and each time I said oh I really need to look up Eddie you know and um, and so um, now, now, you know, now I, you have, and now all you have to do is now I'll just have up. to wait yeah or now, well, now, uh, well maybe I or now, <laughs> now, now all you have to do is actually look up for Eddie right yeah well yeah I'm, I'll, um, I'll I'll get um, I'll get uh, I'll get in touch with him later but um, he was so um so much a part of that community, and um, like I said, a real go-getter, not somebody who sat back and waited, you know, for stuff to, to happen or come to him. I don't know what sign he was. Uh, uh, he looks like an Aries, but I don't know, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, that's fair. But, um, do what? I said that's well, fair. Well, I, I, I yeah. think... I. I, for some reason, I think I recall him being Capricorn, but um, well, that works but too. I, yeah, it's but I, I think what that, he does. yeah, but I think that fiery is also a very good way to describe him. He was very passionate and very enthusiastic, and so I would just mm -hmm. say that now his fiery nature will simply be lighting the way for others from the other side of the veil. Right. Instead. Well, yeah, very you know lively in that way, and um, he might have been an Aries rising. There's no telling. Uh, or, uh, but a creative individual too, and I love creative people, and uh, he uh, he certainly was an inspiration. So we will all miss him, and I feel so so sad for his family and and certainly the the folks at Lucky Mojo, and my good friend Valentina for the loss. Yes, and and his partner Clayton, I will mention because yeah. they they just met a few years ago, but it was a very romantic love story, and so I feel very you know, sad for him as well. Well, and it's awesome that he had such a wonderful, loving family around him. And um, that's really great. And yeah. I think he he is somebody who was lucky to have um, and and certainly uh, had the privilege of a, of a good life uh, because uh, so many of us uh, in what we do don't have as great, awesome experience, as great an awesome experience as he did of, of what he did, what he was, what he was trying to accomplish. And I think, um, uh, you know, he he deserved every every wonderful thing that happened in his life, and he was a great inspiration. So, as we close our conversation, would you like to 
let people know what the best way is for them to find out uh, how to get a reading from you or to contact you if they wanted to um, follow up and, and get inf more information about you and from you? Well, they can find me on Facebook or they can um, they can certainly just go to www.davidalexander.org and uh, try to uh, connect with me through email or um, my phone number's there. Uh, I'm a crazy person that puts my phone number on the Internet. Um, <laughs> And, I'll just remind people that your last name is A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-E yeah, for Alexander. Yeah. European, whatever you prefer. Um, but, yes, that, that's, um, that's the best way. Um, and if they're trying to find me at Hotel Zaza, they can certainly contact the hotel and ask about the nights that I'm there. And if they don't know, the hotel can certainly give out my information there as well. So. But. All right. Well, we would like to thank you very much for having taken some time to chat with us and uh, share a little bit of insight into what it's like to be out there in the public eye as a reader and challenging sometimes the perceptions as well as maybe having fun and tweaking some of their perceptions to lure people in but then show them how serious this work can actually be. And the importance so, of vintage. That's right. <laughs> the spiritual significance of vintage cannot be understated. That's right. Yeah, well, thank you, guys. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Same to you. Um, and stay tuned because coming up next we'll have our Queer Life segment where we'll, Charlie and I will, will be doing our New Year's reading that Charlie talked about a little bit earlier. And then you can also call or Skype in if you would like to get a reading um, here on the show. For, and the way to do that is either Skype in from the show page or call 646-716-5510. So we're going to take a quick little break. And I decided that uh, just in honor of... Hyperion, Eddie Gutierrez, Dr. E. Um, he was also on my show, the show that I do on the second Sunday of each month, Revolution, a few, uh, a few months ago. And um, I had played a song specifically for him, and he mentioned that he felt very honored that I had played it, so I was going to play it here. Uh, this is actually a song to Chongo, and Chongo was his um, patron god. I don't know if that's the exact right term for his tradition, but um, this was, he was uh, primarily a priest of Chongo. So uh, I thought I would play that in honor of Eddie, and then we will be right back with our Queer Life segment, as well as readings for people calling in. Ladies and gentlemen, a big hand for La Lupe!
Welcome back to the Amethyst Spirited. I think that that was spirited and perfectly in line with how Eddie was in life and probably still is. Um, and that was actually a Cuban singer, and he was Cuban. So uh, there we go. We're so, very fortunate, as um, David has told his long line of celebrity guests, that they're going to have to wait so that he can help <laughs> us with this next segment. So... I have it on good authority that um, Hayden Panter is, um, you know, in the other room having bubbly while she waits for David. So um, <laughs> I'm going to just do a quick, for the community, for the queers out there, what are the, 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 the four cards? And so we'll start with Out With The Old. Hi, C. Do you have a, a deck in front of you? I actually do. It is the Roots right of Asia on. deck. So well, maybe you can uh, help us out with uh, what needs to, to go. You know, as uh, Coco, uh, Coco Chanel said, when you walk into a room, the first thing you see, throw it out. So, <laughs> All right. Well, as I shuffle, why don't you just remind people what the different positions sure, are? Because the, uh, if, they first, would like to, if they would like to do it along with us for themselves personally, that way they'll know what they're drawing cards for. Yeah. So it's four cards. The first uh, cards I put card one and then card two below it and then right next to card one I put card three and card four below that so just two little little columns so card one is what from the past should not follow you into the new year and the second card uh, represents it lets you know how to accomplish the excision the removal of that item from your life 
All right. So the card that came up for me, um, indicating what needs to be put behind us and tossed away, is the reversed Two of Swords. And for me, I would look at this card being reversed as indicating that it is time to put indecisiveness and procrastination because we can't make a decision. It's time to put paralysis by analysis behind us. It's time to let go of driving ourselves crazy by constantly looking for other options and then creating this overwhelming sense of now I don't know how to decide because I've created too many decisions or options for myself. Um, I would also see this reversed as it's time to start taking a stand. It's time to stop being peacemaker and always being stuck in the middle, uh, but instead to begin um, uh, being willing to say, this is the side I come down on, to no longer just sit on the fence, but to own your position, to own the side that you feel is right, and to be willing to stand by that, even if it means somebody else will disagree with you or be upset with you. Uh, because to me, the reversed two of swords says it's no longer our place to try to be the one who's always keeping the peace, but ending up getting stuck in the middle and then pulled apart um, versus uh, being willing to take a side, but taking a side because you believe that is the right side and you believe that is what you will be able to support or defend or get behind. Um, not because you want to do it just to get back at somebody, but because it is truly what you believe. So I would say that plus not driving yourself crazy in the coming year by being indecisive or procrastinating versus make a decision and then just start acting on it and moving forward with it rather than hemming and hawing and dilly-dallying because you keep thinking, well, is that the right decision? But maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. There you go. Thank you so much. And as for In With The New, David, do you have a deck in front of you or nearby? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Can you let us know what, uh, the, what queers everywhere should be drawing into their lives in 2014 and then how to do it? Okay. Well, uh, I'm using an unusual deck. I don't know if you guys gotten this deck. It's called Arcane Bullshit. <laughs> what? <laughs> I have not. Tell us more. Awesome deck. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna plug it. Uh, maybe first time live on the air. I'm plugging that deck. Um, oh. It is an oracle deck, uh, but it is it does relate a lot to the the thoughts about tarot. Um, and uh, the the card that came up as what you would bring in. That was the question, right? Was that right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the card that came up was the Sword Hoarder, <laughs> and the it's an image hoarder. of, I know, it's an image of a ram's head with a man's body, and he's holding a lot of swords and standing on a lot of swords. So um, I would say embrace the technology and um, try, to, try to learn as much as you can. You know, swords are all about sort of learning and ideas and technical things and bringing that and embracing it. And getting getting a grip on on all of those things, and deciding that you can take it on, that you don't have to 
wait for somebody else that you uh, that you can sort of initiate yourself and and start doing it yourself. So that's that's what I see in that part. I you know it's funny. I just looked up this deck on uh, Game Crafter has it the arcane bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very special. And um, I think I might have skipped over. So bringing in the use of technology, very cool. Um, I think I skipped Hi-C's second card. I, I do apologize. Did you? Um, I think I did. Uh, I see you had a second card for what to get, how to get, ri- um, how to get rid of that state of indecision and hemming and hawing. Um, yes. So, um, and I think that then David will have a second card as well. Correct. Yes, he will. He will. So actually, okay. um, why don't we just we just heard about his uh, bringing in the technology to keep the flow. Why don't we uh, hear about? His second how? card, the fourth card, the how. How, David, according to arcane bullshit, can we fully embrace that sword hoarder sensibility of uh, of new techniques and new technology? Okay. Well, interestingly enough, the second card that I pulled was is called Future Grandma. And it's Grandma, and she's in a space suit, and she's sort of hovering over a cat. <laughs> And uh, these are wonderful <laughs> black and white illustrations, by the way. Um, everyone has to get this deck. Um, I, you know, I, I look at this card and I thought, well, how can, how in the world can this apply? And I thought, you know, this is the old. You can teach, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Um, this is about bringing your old ideas back to the surface, rethinking them and sort of reworking it. And, you know, we're right now, we're in a Jupiter in retrograde in in, uh, Cancer. Uh, That is time to reevaluate the expansion of things and how you would make changes and get creative and and sort of, you know, look at the past, look at what you've learned. Um, And so uh, I think it is important, you know, and, and I think it goes along great with Sword Hoarder over there who's, Thinking through all of his thoughts and trying to sort it out and trying to be a problem solver and and uh, uh, and future grandma who says you know I've learned a lot and I could bring a lot with me into this game but I've got to honor the past and and you know I am I am somebody who has a a, a little bit of experience here so um, but I need to start thinking about my future mm-hmm. <laughs> so and I think that I think ties in great. very well with High uh, C's card which uh, related to the idea of getting so caught up in old ideas and, 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 and finding the perfect one, never embracing something uh, new. Actually, yeah, <laughs> and, and the whole ambivalence thing, which on mine I got, uh, for my first card, I got the androgynous cow, and oh. uh, uh, it's uh, the androgynous cow snake, sorry. Um, so it is, <laughs> oh, well, thank, thank you for clearing. You don't really know who you are in that circumstance, do you? Am I a cow? Am I a snake? Am I a man? Um, am I a woman? <laughs> What's right, going yeah. on? How so, did I get yeah, here? Kind of a little bit of both. And so the two swords works for that as well. I think it's the same thing, really. And, and didn't you say something about making decisions? Yes. Uh, well, yes. So for me, it, when the two of swords reverses, then it says it's time to start making decisions right. rather than creating alternative after alternative being stuck in paralysis by analysis and then being indecisive because you can't choose where to, which direction to go or what decision to make. Excellent. Right. And, and the card I got after that was the decision maker. Oh, see? That's the name of the card. And that's, that's for the how, and that says how to do that is 
start being a decision maker rather than an indecisive procrastinating, yes. you know. Yeah. And um, the hardest thing will be, you know, in the beginning of in the new year, when you try to, to break the old patterns, they keep creeping up. And that, that reverse two of swords is going to try and keep us from being space grandmas. So I see. Hi, <laughs> see. What card revealed to you how to, throughout the year, defeat our inner reversed two of uh, swords? Well, what came up was the Queen of Cups, oh. and so you know, for me, that really says to one, the Cups aspect says, go, go deep in yourself. Trust your intuition. Trust your inner voice, rather than getting stuck in your head and trying to think it through or figure it out all of the time. That reverse Two of Swords is trying to get us out of our head. That paralysis by analysis and Queen of Cups is asking us to sit with that deeper inner knowing and trust our own intuition and, and instinct. Um, and I and you know Queen of Cups is very much um, at peace. And so part of this I think says is to just bring yourself to a place of making peace with the decisions that you've already made instead of continuing to second-guess them or think that you need to make a decision to somehow make up for a decision you made before that didn't quite turn out right. Just make peace with those and be willing to continue to learn from them but to grow and to move forward and move on. And I think because this would be kind of parallel to that position of the grandmother that uh, David had. And so there is that sense of I have that older knowledge and experience because I can learn from the decisions I've made or the lack of decisions that I've made, which maybe I missed out on an opportunity because I took too long trying to decide. Um, And so I can take that old knowledge and wisdom and then move forward to apply it in new ways from what I've learned and gained from it, rather than continuing to play over and over again in my head and be stuck in the bad decisions that I made previously and what could have been if I had just decided sooner and that kind of thing. Excellent. Okay, it sounds like a good year for change uh, for us all. And I'm loving the cards in this. Everyone should look up the Arcane Bullshit Oracle. There's such things as the robot riding a gorilla, the look at this fucking hourglass, and my personal favorite so far is make up your goddamn mind. <laughs> I want that card. I'm, Wouldn't I'm that like be that the card, card into all of my Rider weight decks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I can say everything that's that you going to be on my blank card like from now on. The one you get with the Rider weight is going to be on the blank card. Yeah, make up your goddamn mind. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I need that deck because everything you just mentioned is just like a typical weekend for me. That's right. <laughs> Listen, a I think the typical weekend that this person had was on acid. <laughs> Which I, I think it says something about like maybe the absurdity of how we, like the intuitive process works. Come like, well, yeah, I mean, a robot riding a gorilla that makes sense because it's wait, no, stop. This is <laughs> this is insanity. Anyway, so. Um, Thank you very much for that look ahead. Hi, C. I think you mentioned that we might have a caller waiting very patiently for a reading. It is true. And so I think that we'll actually take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go to that caller. So, So, caller, you've been patient. You don't have to be patient much longer. Enjoy this break, but be prepared because we're coming at you as a triad. (laughs) <laughs> like That's Neptune right. triad, all three right. points coming right Terrible at you in question. <laughs> That's right. All right. So we'll be right back. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. 
And we are back, and we are getting ready to jump right into doing some readings here for a couple of people that have called in. So I'm going to go to the first person, which I think is either calling from Skype or from a uh, blocked number because it comes up as 1111111. So if you're there, caller, say hello. Uh, hello. If you're listening, oh, hello. Um, are you calling in for a reading this evening? Y- yes, I am. All right. What's your name and where are you calling from? Um, my name is Celine and I'm calling from New York. All right. Well, welcome, Celine. So you're here with myself, Hi C, as well as Charlie and David Alexander. And what is it that you would like for us to take a look at for you this evening? Um, my health. I'm, I'm concerned about my health at this time. Okay. About particular health issues going on, or just want to look, have a look at your health in general and how that's going right now? Oh yeah. Okay. You can do it that way, whichever way you know. All right. Well, do you have a particular health issue that's affecting you right now? Um, yeah, uh, breathing issues and digestion issues. Do you see anything related? Okay. And the reason I ask that because for me, I always like to know what it is because then I can use the reading to start to look at what's the underlying cause or the underlying root of where this is coming from for you. Okay. Um, and... Charlie, if you're ready, David, if you're ready, feel free to jump in. All right. Go right ahead. Who's fighting? <laughs> Go ahead, David. Okay, I've I've laid out um, I've, I've laid out uh, seven cards, okay. and uh, what seems to be uh, a bit of sort of Stress, especially around, uh, it's kind of like the, the nervous system. You know, I've got a lot of wands here, and to me, um, it can mean a lot of, uh, of, of, of kind of a uh, uh, nervous system difficulties that are affecting the breathing, that there's a, either a level of stress or there's uh, an issue that's sort of the, the chemistry of the body throwing the nervous system off. Uh, maybe there's an issue with electrolytes, that kind of thing. Um, and there is, um, because it's all these sort of knight of wands reversed and page of wands reversed, six of wands reversed and four of wands reversed. That's a lot of reversal. Um, and uh, the only uh, upright card that I get is uh, nine of swords, which I assume some of this is causing you an issue around sleep. Um, uh, and that that possibly uh, you're not, uh, according to the last card, seeing the right person to get these things solved. That the person that's been handling the difficulty or the doctor or specialist involved in this is not really finding the right answers or is not finding the real source of all of this. That it's um, something that, that needs to be attended to by another person, or they have sort of said, well, you know, that's just the way it is, or we we give up. Um, I want to look at what the underlying cause is really quick here, Um, uh, just in general. uh, I see that uh, there's something about issues around scheduling, 
uh, timing of things. This Wheel of Fortune and Star reversed. I think there's something too about uh, with this Five of Cups reversed that uh, there's an issue about trying to do too much uh, and maybe even uh, uh, not letting go of things when you should uh, and possibly just getting some more um, alone time. But I think there's something too here that talks about with Four of Cups, it might be something you're, uh, that's in, within your diet as well that's causing some of this. And um, you might want to look at things that are about um, certain foods causing these issues. It might be a food allergy and that kind of thing. So that's, that's pretty much what I've got. Oh, okay. Um, Nothing to be uh, you know, too concerned about. Should you be concerned? Is that your question? I mean, well, I've been going to the doctor. I've actually been going to see um, several doctors, but it's just basically what he said, you know, maybe that they just um, overlooking, you know, what's really um, plaguing, you know, these problems. Right. The stress is a factor in this for sure, and, and you need to find ways to relax. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that, but also changing uh, and trying to find uh, someone who can actually, uh, I suppose to me it would be a nutritionist or a, somebody who hand, uh, specializes in, in helping people um, uh, look at all of the things they're taking in their body and seeing maybe if some of those results can come from that. Um, because I think it's, um, you know, it, it, when it gets to, to uh, uh, that kind of uh, problem and the way this looks is it's fairly overwhelming that, that it would become more difficult the longer you would ignore it. And I do think it is something that, that, that relates a lot to that. Besides the, I think the, 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 the issues might be, that it causes you those different things, the breathing problem and the other discomforts that you have. And then also um, uh, I think it affects your sleep in that way too and your ability to rest. But I don't think, I, I think it's not the cause of it. I think it's more of a food intake or a, a nutritional thing or a deficiency of some sort. Um, I want to say um, get checked out for things like um, uh, uh, celiac disease or um also, um, uh, things like um, the, uh, what is that, uh, the, um, my grandmother had this. It was a, 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 a B12 problem. What is that called? The, um, uh, uh, somebody oh. help me there. Sorry, I don't know that one. Anemia, pernicious anemia. So, <clears throat> get checked out for those kinds of things as well. Because those can cause, a B12 deficiency can cause a lot of those issues. Um, not, not being a doctor myself, but so I pulled a couple of cards. Um, I want to just say before I go in that you know I'm not a medical professional, so um, I can't give medical like medical advice. But I you know I just want to see what what came up for me um, was so I pulled two cards for the body and then one card for like your mental and emotional state. And the cards for the body um, I got were the Wheel of Fortune and the Knight of Swords. And when David was talking a moment ago about something in the diet, um, that really resonated with me. Looking at the Wheel of Fortune looks like uh, 
something um, needs to be cleansed out. Like, um, also, I agreed with him about seeing a different person. That Knight of Swords. I'll, I'll talk more about this, but like seeing a Knight of the, the Knight of Swords there is like moving on, um, moving uh, to another person that is going to be more dynamic, and um, instead of with the, the Wheel of Fortune, there it could. Uh, a lot of times when I go to the doctor. They'll tell me, well, just keep on keeping on. Just let us know. Nothing too serious, Shona. We haven't identified anything. So just try and make good choice. And they don't really do any doctoring. Uh, so um, with the Wheel of Fortune, Knight of Swords, I'd say definitely see someone else. And then I was resonating with the, uh, what about, about diet? Um, the Wheel of Fortune to me, I'm using the Morgan Greer Tarot. It looks like there's something that has built up that should be cleansed. Again, I'm not a medical professional. This is just my like, intuitive in- interpretation of that. But there's something going on that could be in the, in the, in the stomach, in the, in the um, something to do with food. And then the, the mental emotional state, I got the five of pentacles or the five of coins, which shows people feeling like uh, the five of fives are like challenging situations and the five of coins is like the challenging material situation people feeling like they don't have resources and feeling like they don't have someone to turn to it can it uh it can come up when people feel like the people that are supposed to be helping them aren't helping them um and it causes a lot of stress uh, feeling of loneliness feeling of being on your own and i think that stress is affecting your health um so if that if you re- relate to any of that if you feel like um that you're not getting the resources or the help or if anything financial um, is becoming a burden for you to look for either with the Affordable Care Act or anything, um, like look for resources available to you to help you get the support that you need. Um, like Again, also, as David mentioned, like seeing someone else, like, um, the, in the image, there's a, um, a someone with a, a bandage on their head, and it's kite, it's got blood on it, and they're being cared for by another person. And the pe- the medical professionals in your life should be taking care of you and making you feel comfortable and um, and like they're on your side and they're working for you. And if they're not, then I would see if there's someone else. Does that re- relate? It? Did any of that relate at all? Is there anything I should look at more more for, uh, in that? Um, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I, I, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing. Yeah, I, I've been I've been seen by several, well, not several, but you know, more than a couple of doctors, and mm-hmm. they basically having the same, um, you know, result. Of, you know, I'm okay, and you know, there's no major, uh, you know, issue concerning, you know, the symptoms that you're dealing with. So what I want to say is that I don't, so there's none none of the cards that I've seen here or that maybe David mentioned that are like drastic, life-threatening, but there does seem to be something up and I don't think it's just in your head. That nine of swords that David saw, um, sometimes that can be like, oh, maybe maybe you're increasing the problem with stress, but like he mentioned a couple of ways to get out of that stress space, but there's, there's something going on 
the wheel of fortune can be like this is a cycle. This might be the beginning or end of a of a cycle of you dealing with this physical problem, but it it doesn't. From what I'm looking at, I don't see anything that makes me think, okay, you know, you need to hang up the phone and go to the emergency room or something like that. But there's something that needs to be taken care of by someone who's going to really care for you. And maybe these people will try to the best of their ability, but I feel like there's there's someone else out there for this. And I see, I'm sorry, I've been talking and talking. What what do you see? Well, no, I think that the two of you have covered it. And since we're um, nearing the end of the show, we do have another person in the queue. So I think that we're going to leave it with that vast amount of information that the two of you have already given her and say thank you to you for having called in and having been patient and waiting to get to the reading sure. uh, here and in the show. Us. <laughs> Email us if you have any other questions. Oh, certainly. Well, oh, sure. I, I so appreciate all of this. Sure. Well, thank you, and enjoy your evening. Sleep well, because I know it's late there in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and let's move on to the next caller. And this, I think, is someone calling in from Skype with the screen name of ccc one are you there, caller? Hi, how are you? I am good. How are you? What's your name and where are you calling from? Um, I'm Sarah. I'm calling from New York. Sarah from New York? All right. Another New York person. Boy, everybody in New York is up late, late, late tonight, aren't they? So what is it that we can look for you this evening? Um, I apply for a job today, and I wonder if I'm going to get it. Okay. So each of us will be frantically shuffling our cards and see what comes up. And Charlie or David, do you have your cards laid out already? Um, I have five cards laid out. Okay. All right. And what are you seeing there? So she's asking, uh, she applied for a job and she wants to know how it will turn out? Correct. Is that the question? Okay. Yes. All right. So um, it does say that uh, there is, uh, it, it, things that have been choppy or difficult for you are moving forward and, and getting simpler with that six of swords. Um, <clears throat> you've got a hangman reverse, which is, uh, I, I always see that as things sort of jumping to attention. And, and being very um, kind of active suddenly uh, after a long period of waiting sometimes, uh, especially with that hangman reverse. Um, there is a card that says that it might not be exactly what you expect it to be with the Three of Swords being that card of maybe there's a little bit of compromise involved in this or maybe it wasn't something that you, you know, once you're in, you know, but it does say that with the, with the uh, Knight of Cups that there is some sort of offer and that there's uh, uh, also a feeling of of it being sort of enough for what you need right now, a sense of contentment, uh, the, the star card, which is, of course, you know, uh, legendarily the luckiest card in the deck anyway, but it is a card of also being contented with the circumstances of your surroundings or, or finding yourself part of something that is, you know, as much you as it is as it is itself, so I think that's pretty good. 
um, indicator that this might be something that would be very likely. Um, You're spot on. <laughs> well, okay. You're spot on. I'm going through a very difficult transition right now, and and I think uh, something's going to pop, and that's why probably you got the hangman reversed. I was in a limbo state for so long. So I thought that the hangman, like, perfectly captured the circumstance I was in. <laughs> well, very good. Um, I do hope that it's uh, uh, something that you will uh, realize that you can build something out of it rather than just for what it's offered right away because I think it, it'll be good enough for what you need, but there will have to be some building toward more of what you need later. Um, I got the Ace of Swords, and my mm-hmm. first thing I was going to tell you was, well, you're going to get a clear answer. And I realized that was a weaselly, uh, uh, a very ambiguous fortune tellery thing to say <laughs> that could could mean yes or no, a clear yes or clear no. So I uh, well, a few more cards. I um, I lean towards you're going to get an offer. Uh, the Two of Wands came up, and in the Morgan Greer, the Two of Wands, the person is holding the world. And you can actually see the hand uh, on the staff of the person in front of them. So, and it shows you considering something. Um, my thing, the other card was temperance. So, um, don't leap right away because um, there's there's still an element that you have to. De- okay, the two of wands to me. There's still an element of that you have to decide on. And I, David, you mentioned also um, the three of swords being like mm, cautious. Um, make sure you understand completely what you're getting yourself into because the two of wands shows the person like leaving the nest, you know, and leaving behind a situation. And there's still some more information that can be gleaned, but I'm, I'm going to go on a limb, just put it, you know, it's a 50-50 chance the Ace of uh, Swords looks like uh, getting an offer. And I see, what did you have? <laughs> um, well, I, I actually have five cards, but I will say that one of the cards for me in the short-term outlook is the Three of Swords. So again, that card is popping up. Oh shit! Um, and and we've seen a lot of and we've seen a lot of swords come up here. And uh, the thing that I would say about the combination of cards that I have is, while you may likely get an offer, and if you do accept it. Uh, don't put a lot of investment or hope in this particular job as the end-all, be-all. Because my anticipation is it's probably not either going to live up to expectation or you're going to end up being disappointed by what it is or what it has to offer. But the key to what this seems to be about is kind of that hangman reverse aspect um, is that it's it's the the key or the catalyst or that moment where you start to see things shift and turn around for you um, job-wise. So like David was saying, this may be what you need for the moment, but see it as a uh, short-term thing rather than something that you are going into long-term. And don't just stop looking for other opportunities simply because you may get this job, because this is kind of meant to be short-term and just get you over this hump and and shift you into a new phase rather than being some long-term job situation for you. The longer you stay in it, the more disappointed I think that you will feel by it. 
um, and more burdened by it you will feel. I think um, the card is telling me that I'm not going to get this job offer. And the reason is because the job I'm looking at is a very good opportunity. And um, my current circumstances is just enough that it, there's no fulfillment. So it probably indicates to me that I would be stuck with what I have. Well, I think how you may be seeing it as having a lot of opportunity or promise or whatever, if you got into it, you would probably end up being disappointed because it wouldn't live up to what you think it has to offer you. So just just go into it with your eyes open and not having a lot of expectation around it, but use it as a way to kind of jumpstart the energy of getting things moving and shifting regarding job opportunities and your career path. Um, to, to start taking you out of what you were struggling through when you said that you were going through a transition and that this is kind of the, the kickoff, but it's just that first little thing to get things going for moving into what comes after the transition. No, the job I'm applying for is a very good job. It's, it's very, it's actually out of my reach. So, it's you know, I, I hear you. Um, so I pulled another card saying, like, okay, what what now? Like, what if you didn't get it, what would you do? I got the two of coins, which reminded me of the temperance card that I got in my other read, uh, reading, which would be um, this would be having to keep juggling and keep, um, keep treading water. Sometimes that two of coins is trying to maintain balance. So for the next, if this... Um, well, regardless of the decision, like I would say, the two of coins. Uh, maybe if you do, if you do any techniques that are about balancing, uh, meditative techniques that are about balancing and finding balance, that might help you. I know that's not a fun thing to say if someone thinks they're not getting the, the job. To say, well, find you know, two of coins, find balance, find uh, find your center. But I think that I just asked the cards what would be the most helpful thing for you to do at this time if you needed an action. So. I hope that helps. Thank you. Perhaps find the balance between what you feel you're overreaching for with this position, where you say it's out of your league, and the balance of what you have experienced doing. Look for, and there's here's the temperance card. Look for something kind of in the middle of that range. Um, don't just try to find something that you've done before. Go for something that challenges you a little bit, but maybe this is just a little bit of an overreach at this time for you. So, so maybe start to think about where's the middle point between where you're coming from and what this represents to you. And that middle point is probably where you're more likely to find the best opportunity. All right. I just hope... I hope you guys are wrong, but... <laughs> well, I, I, I do want to stress that I think, too, that it is very likely that they would offer you something that was not your original intended position, but a compromise. And I think that's what that three of swords no, keeps no, representing. No, company doesn't do that. No, it's not their style. It's either this or there's nothing. So I yeah. just think that probably it just means I'm not going to get the job. Um, well, you'll have to keep us posted on that. Um, yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling in and have a nice evening. I know it's late there, like Bye. I said to the previous person. So um, hopefully you have a, a restful evening. And that pretty much does it for all of our callers, my fellow cohorts. Hi, friend. Thank you so much, David, for sticking with us for a little bit longer, um, well, doing awesome. readings, giving people a taste of the David Alexander experience that they can uh, find at Hotel Zaza in Texas or by going to David Alexander's website. I think I think you gave it earlier. David. I don't want to say DavidAlexander.com. No, dot .org. org. No. If you go to dot dot .com, you get some guy in Britain who's a photographer. So. <laughs> oh, well, no, no. He beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you should you should have him do some professional photos of you, and then you could cross promote each other so that. <laughs> and that could be on his website. Yeah. David squared. Okay. Yeah, well, thank fly, you so I'll much. I'll fly to London tomorrow and do that. Oh, excellent. Well, have a safe flight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining us for the show this evening, and um, we wish you well and enjoy the the nice weather. It sounds like you're kind of having there in Dallas. Yeah, it's very warm. And you too as well. It was great to talk to both of you. And um, that's it. Thank you. Right on. We'll see you at All right. That's Bye. right. <laughs> Bye-bye. And thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Charlie, for joining me once again here this evening. Right. Uh, and I will remind people that you can always find us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. And we're always happy to hear from you if you would like to get in touch with um, one of us for private readings, then you can contact Charlie through the Facebook page, um, or you can contact me that way as well, Hi C, or you can email me, HiC, H-I-C, at net. So join us again next month. We are here every second Tuesday of the month, and that means that we will be here in February on uh, February 11th, So we will look forward to having you join us here once again then. Until then, may blessings and surprises be around every corner for you. Vaya con Dios. The Amethyst Oracle. 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 Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lizney. Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.